Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Wednesday, March 8th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I believe that's episode 189, 189. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. Uh, You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while. A lot of great podcasts over there. Um, I I can be honest with you and say you will run out of time to listen to all the things you want to listen to over there. So definitely worth your while. Um, I also want to continue to point you to the last link in our show notes. Um, that is a link for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Give, Sin, Go campaign. Uh, we are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that uh, we can commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school. Um, so, uh, you know, it, we're trying to al- offer an alternative for folks in our community, um, someplace they feel they can trust for their kids to be educated. So, Go ahead and click on the link. You can read a much more thorough description than I'm giving you this morning, and I seem to be stumbling a little bit um, because I am recording in the morning. Um, But anyways, um, go ahead and click on the link, take a read, and then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask for you to pray for us. We'd ask for you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And then we would ask that you would, um, I'm sorry, that you would pass the link along. Wow, I'm really not awake this morning. And like I said, I, I... Kind of fell asleep last night and slept through the time I would have recorded this and slept until bedtime. So I just went ahead to bed. So I'm recording this this morning and I'm not, I haven't really had much coffee yet. So I'm not quite awake yet, but we need to go. I want to go ahead and get this out for you for today. And I'm sorry for those who usually listen to it earlier in the day. It's an earlier part of their routine. I just didn't get it out and I apologize, but here we go. We're going to jump right in. We've got our, um, Bible verses to read, and then this for the evening segment, we're going to continue on reading Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture, and we're closing up on the end of that one, so we'll get back into our Bible study. All right, so like we usually do on Wednesdays, let's go ahead and open up with the fourth day morning prayer called True Christianity. Let's pray. Lord of heaven, thy goodness is inexpressible and inconceivable. In the works of creation, thou art almighty. In the dispensations of providence, all wise and the gospel of grace, all love, and in thy Son thou hast provided for our deliverance from the effects of sin, the justification of our persons, the sanctification of our natures, the perseverance of our souls in the path of life. Though exposed to the terrors of thy law, we have a refuge from the storm. Though compelled to cry unclean, we have a fountain for sin. Though creature cells of emptiness, we have a fullness accessible to all and incapable of reduction." Grant us always to know that to walk with Jesus makes other interests a shadow and a dream. Keep us from intermittent attention to eternal things. Save us from the delusion of those who fail to go far in religion, who are concerned but not converted, who have another heart but not a new one, who have light, zeal, confidence but not Christ. 
Let us judge our Christianity not only by our dependence upon Jesus, but by our love to him, our conformity to him, our knowledge of him. Give us a religion that is both real and progressive, that holds on its way and grows stronger, that lives and works in the spirit, that profits by by every correction, and is injured by no carnal indulgence. Amen. All right, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, the Morning Devotion for March 8th. Uh, the text is from Acts 14.2. We, we must, through much tribula- tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, it's Acts 14.22. I hope I said that right, but I probably didn't. All right, God's people have their trials. It was never designed by God when he chose his people that they should be untried people. They were chosen in the furnace of affliction. They were never chosen to worldly peace and earthly joy. Freedom from sickness and the pains of mortality was never promised them. But when their Lord drew up the chapter, the charter of privileges, he included chastisements amongst the things to which they should inevitably, inevitably be heirs. Trials are a part of our lot. They were predestined for us in Christ's last legacy. So surely as the stars are fashioned by his hands and their orbits fixed by him, so surely are our trials allotted to us. He has ordained their season and their place, their intensity and the effect they shall have upon us. Good men must never expect to escape troubles. If they do, they will be disappointed, for none of their predecessors have been without them. Mark the patience of Job. Remember Abraham, for he had his trials, and by his faith under them he became the father of the faithful. Note well the biographies of all the patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and you shall discover none of those whom God made vessels of mercy who were not made to pass through the fire of affliction. It is ordained of old that the cross of trouble should be engraved on every vessel of mercy, as the royal mark whereby the king's vessels of honor are distinguished. But although tribulation is thus the path of God's children, they have the comfort of knowing that their master has traversed it before them. They have his presence and sympathy to cheer them, his grace to support them, and his example to teach them how to endure, and when they reach the kingdom, it will more than make amends for the much tribulation through which they pass to enter it. Yeah, wow. Good one. Good one. All right, well... We're going to get into our reading this morning. We're going to be in Numbers 10 and part of 11, then um, starting Mark 14, Psalm 51, and then the last two verses of Proverbs 10. So let's go ahead and get started in Numbers 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, I'm sorry, Yahweh spoke further to Moses saying, make yourself two trumpets of silver of hammered work. You shall make them and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for having the camp set out. So both will be blown, and all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Yet if only one is blown, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, shall assemble before you. But when you blow an alarm, the camps that are pitched on the east side shall set out. Then you will blow an alarm the second time, and the camps that are pitched on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown for them to set out. When convening the assembly, however, you shall blow without sounding an alarm. The priestly sons of Aaron, moreover, shall blow the trumpets, and this shall be for you a perpetual statute throughout your generations. Now when you go to war in your land against the adversary who attacks you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, that you may be remembered before Yahweh your God and be saved from your enemies. Also in the day of your gladness and in your appointed feasts, and on the first days of your months, You shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be as a remembrance of you before your God. 
I am Yahweh, your God. Now it happened in the second year, in the second month, on the twentieth of the month, that the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the sons of Israel set out on their journeys from the wilderness of Sinai. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they moved out for the first time according to the command of Yahweh by the hand of Moses, and the standard of the camp of the sons of Judah, according to their armies, set out first, with Nashon the son of Aminadab over its army, and Nethanel the son of Zuar over the tribal army of the sons of Issachar, and Eliab the son of Helon over the tribal army of the sons of Zebulun. Then the tabernacle was taken down, and the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari, who were carrying the tabernacle, set out. Next the standards of the camp of Reuben, according to their armies, set out with Eliezer the son of Shedur over its army, and Shalumiel the son of Zerushadai over the tribal army of the sons of Simeon, and Eliasaph the son of Duel over the tribal army of the sons of Gad. Then the Kohathites set out carrying the holy objects, and the tabernacle was set up before their arrival. Next the standard of the camp of the sons of Ephraim, according to their armies, set out, with Elishama the son of Amihud over its army, and Gamaliel the son of Pedazur over the tribal army of the sons of Manasseh, and Abidon the son of Gideoni over the tribal army of the sons of Benjamin. Then the standard of the camp of the sons of Dan, according to their armies, which formed the rear guard for all the camps, set out, with Ahiezer the son of Amishadai over its army, and Pagiel the son of Okran over the tribal army of the sons of Asher, and Ahira the son of Enan over the tribal army of the sons of Naphtali. This was the order of march of the sons of Israel by their armies as they set out. Then Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out to the place of which Yahweh said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do you good, for Yahweh has promised good concerning Israel. But he said to him, I will not come, but rather will go to my own land and kin. Then he said, Please do not leave us, inasmuch as you know where we should camp in the wilderness, in the wilderness, and you will be as eyes for us. So it will be, if you go with us, that whatever good Yahweh does for us, we will do for you. Thus they set out from the Mount of Yahweh three days' journey, with the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh journeying in front of them for the three days, to spy out a resting place for them. Now the cloud of Yahweh was over them by day when they set out from the camp. Then it happened when the Ark set out that Moses said, Rise up, O Yahweh, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it came to rest, he said, Return, O Yahweh, to the myriad thousands of Israel. All right. Numbers 11, verses 1 through 23. Now the people became like those who complain of calamity in the ears of Yahweh. And Yahweh heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of Yahweh burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people therefore cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to Yahweh, and the fire died out. So the name of that place was called Tabera, because the fire of Yahweh burned among them. And the rabble who were among them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is dried up. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of bdelium. The people would go about and gather it and grind it between two millstones, or beat it in the mortar, and boil it in the pot, and make cakes with it, and its taste was as the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. 
Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent, and the anger of Yahweh was kindled greatly, and it was evil in the sight of Moses. So Moses said to Yahweh, Why have you allowed this evil toward your slave? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all this people on me? Was it I who conceived all this people? Was it I who gave birth to them that you would say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing baby to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I alone am not able to carry all this people, because it is too heavy for me. So if you are going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. Yahweh therefore said to Moses, Gather for me me seventy men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and their officers, and take them to to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit who is upon you, and will put him upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you will not bear it all alone. And say to the people, Set yourselves apart as holy for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the ears of Yahweh, saying, Oh, that someone would give us meat to eat, for it was good for us in Egypt. Therefore Yahweh will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have rejected Yahweh, who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever go out from Egypt? But Moses said, The people among whom I am are six hundred thousand on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat, so that they may eat for a whole month. Should flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to be sufficient for them? Or should all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to be sufficient for them? And Yahweh said to Moses, Is Yahweh's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will happen for you or not. All right. guess God's laying down the law there. Mark 14. Now the passage, let's see, we're reading verses 1 through 21. Now the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how, after seizing him in secret, they might kill him. For they were saying, Not during the festival, lest there be a riot of the people. And while he was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster jar of perfume, a very costly pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over three hundred denarii and given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you bother her? She did a good work to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman did will also be spoken of in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went away to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when Passover, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want, to, want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, and where, whenever, wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, 
Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. And the disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told him, <clears throat> had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, the one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and to say to him one by one, Surely not I. And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. All right. Now, Psalm 51. Honestly, one of my favorite psalms. <clears throat> for the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone to be into Bathsheba. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the abundance of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak, and pure when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you delight in truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. Mm. Wow. All right. <clears throat> and finally, Proverbs 10, verses 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous bears wisdom, but the tongue of perversions will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. Um, I, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope, uh, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope that uh, the time with me, that this time as we read through the scriptures, um, it is edifying for you. It, it helps to keep you sat saturated in the word so that we all can become more biblically literate so that we can truly walk in a Christ-like manner. Um, <clears throat> I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And God willing, um, you'll join me for the evening segment. 
All right, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Uh, the one we're going to use today from Valley of Vision is called Continual Repentance. Continual Repentance. Let's pray. O God of grace, thou hast imputed my sin to my substitute and hast imputed his righteousness to my soul, clothing, clothing me with a bridegroom's robe, decking me with jewels of holiness. But in my Christian walk, I am still in rags. My best prayers are stained with sin. My penitential tears are so much impurity. My confessions of wrong are so many. Aggravations of are so many aggravations of sin. Excuse me. My receiving the Spirit is tinctured with selfishness. I need to repent of my repentance. I need my tears to be washed. I have no robe to bring to cover my sins, no loom to weave my own righteousness. I am always standing clothed in filthy garments, and by grace am always receiving change of raiment. For thou dost always justify the ungodly. I am always going into that into the far country and always returning home as a prodigal, always saying, Father, forgive me, and thou art always bringing forth the best robe. Every morning let me wear it, every evening return in it. Go out to the day's work in it, be married in it, be wound in death in it, stand before the great white throne in it, and her heaven in it, shining as the sun. Grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, the exceeding wonder of grace. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have a great day, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good day. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Wednesday, March 8th episode. That's episode 189 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Uh, the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at the christianpodcastcommunity.org. Um, I'm sorry, uh, at Christian podcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while. Great, great, great listening over there. Believe me, like I've said before, you will run out of time to listen to all the stuff you want to listen to over there. And it covers a great, 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 a, a cornucopia, a huge variety of topics. Definitely worth your while, like I said, to get over there and find stuff to listen to. Um, and I can honestly attest, I run out of time to listen to all the ones I want to listen to. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, here in our evening segment, we're going to go ahead and get back into reading our um, reading through Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture. Um, as I've said before, this is not about men. Um, th that's how Thomas Watson wrote it. But this is this is the characteristics of a godly person. This is what a godly person's picture should look like. This is what we should manifest. So definitely worth your while. If, 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 if you are a female, please stay and listen. Um, it is for you, too. Um, this this is not some kind of male focused thing. Um, this is just how Thomas Watson wrote this. All right. <clears throat> so we're going to open here with, uh, as we usually do with the prayer from Valley of Vision. Uh, the one we're going to use from Valley of Vision this morning is called a Christian's prayer. So let's pray. Blessed God, 10,000 snares are mine without and within. Defend thou me. When sloth and indolence seize me, give me views of heaven. When sinners entice me, give me disrelish of their ways. When sensual pleasures tempt me, purify and refine me. When I, de I desire worldly possessions, 
Help me to be rich toward them. When the vanities of the world ensnare me, let me not plunge into new guilt and ruin. May I remember the dignity of my spiritual release. Never be too busy to attend to my soul. Never be so engrossed with time that I neglect the things of eternity. Thus may I not only live, but grow towards thee. Form my mind to right notions of religion, that I may not judge of grace by wrong conceptions, nor measure my spiritual advances by the efforts of my natural being. May I seek after an increase of divine love to thee, after unreserved resignations to thy will, after extensive benevolence to my fellow creatures, after patience and fortitude of soul, after a heavenly disposition, after a concern that I may please thee in public and private. Draw on my soul the lineaments of Christ, and every trace and feature of which thou wilt take delight, for I am thy workmanship created in Christ Jesus, thy letter writ, thy letter written with the Holy Spirit's pen, thy tilled soil ready for the sowing, then harvest. Amen. All right. And our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for March 8th, the text is Genesis 35, from 30, Genesis 35, 18. She called his name Ben-Oni, son of sorrow, but his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. To every matter there is a bright as well as a dark side. Rachel was overwhelmed with the sorrow of her own travail and death. Jacob, though weeping the mother's loss, could see the mercy of the child's birth. It is well for us if, while the flesh mourns over trials, our faith triumphs in divine faithfulness. Samson's lion yielded honey, and so will our adversities, if rightly considered. The stormy sea feeds multitudes with its fishes. The wild wood blooms with beauteous flowerets. The stormy wind sweeps away the pestilence and the biting frost. I'm sorry, and the biting frost loosens the soil. Dark clouds distill bright drops and black earth grows gay flowers. A vein of good is to be found in every mine of evil. Sad hearts have peculiar skill in discovering the most disadvantageous point of view from which to gaze upon a trial. If there were only one slow in the, slow in the world, they would soon be up to their necks in it, and if there were only one lion in the desert, they would hear its roar. About us all there is a tinge of this wretched folly, and we are apt at times like Jacob to cry, All these things are against me. Faith's way of walking is to cast all care upon the Lord, and then to anticipate good results from the worst calamities. Like Gideon's men, she does not fret over the broken pitcher, but rejoices that the lamp blazes forth the more. Out of the rough oyster shell of difficulty, she extracts the rare pearl of honor, and from the deep ocean caves of distress, she uplifts the priceless coral of experience. When her flood of prosperity ebbs, she finds treasures hid in the sands, and when her sun of delight goes down, she turns her telescope of hope to the starry promises of heaven. When death itself appears, faith points to the light of resurrection beyond the grave, thus making our dying Ben-Oni to be our living Benjamin. Oh, a good one. All right. Now we are going to get into our reading of Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture. So we're in chapter four, as we have been for 20 some days now. Um, and chapter four is a chapter on the characteristics of the godly man, of the godly person. So we're in section 23 of chapter four, and this one is that a godly man walks with God. Section 23, a godly man walks with God. 
Noah walked with God, Genesis 6-9. The age in which Noah lived was very corrupt. The wickedness of man was great in the earth, verse 5. But the iniquity of the times could not put Noah off, excuse me, off his walk. Noah walked with God. Noah is called a preacher of righteousness, 2 Peter 2-5. Number one, Noah preached by doctrine. His preaching, say some of the rabbis, was in this vein. Turn from your evil ways so that the waters of the flood will not come upon you and cut off the whole seed of Adam's race. Number two, Noah preached by his life. He preached by his humility, patience, sanctity. Noah walked with God, Genesis 6-9. Question, what does it mean to walk with God? Answer, walking with God imports five things. Number one, walking with God is walking is under God's eye. Noah reverenced a deity. A godly man sets himself as in God's presence, knowing that his judge is looking on. I have set the Lord always before me. Psalm 16.8 Here was David's eye. Number two, walking with God implies the familiarity and intimacy which the soul has with God. Friends walk together and console one another. The godly make known their requests to God, Philippians 4.6, and he makes known his love to them, 1 John 4.9. There is a sweet fellowship between God and his people. Our fellowship, koinonia, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, 1 John 1.3. Number three, walking with God is walking above the earth. A godly man is elevated above all objects under the moon. The person who walks with God must ascend very high. A dwarf cannot walk among the stars, nor can a dwarfish earthly soul walk with God. Number four, walking with God denotes visible piety. Walking is a visible posture. Grace must be conspicuous to the onlookers. Someone that reveals something of God in his carriage walks with God. He shines out in biblical conduct toward others. Towards others, excuse me. Number five, walking with God imports a continued progress in grace. It is not only a step, but a walk. There is progress towards maturity. A godly man does not sit down in the middle of his journey, but goes on until he comes to the end of his faith. 1 Peter 1, 9. Though a good man may be extra simitum, though a good man may be extra simitam out of the path, he is not extra vm out of the way. He may through infirmity step aside as Peter did, but he recovers by repentance and he goes on in progressive holiness. The righteous will hold to his way. Job 17.9 Use 1. See from this how improper it is to be described as godly. I'm sorry. See, see from this how improper it is to describe as godly those who do not walk with God. They would have Noah's crown, but they do not love Noah's walk. Most are found in the devil's black walk. Many walk, of whom I tell you weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians 3, 8, 18. Number one, some will commend walking with God and say it is the rarest life in the world, but they will not set one foot on the way. All who commend wine fall short of the price. Many a father commends virtue to his child, but he does not set him a pattern. Number two, others walk a few steps in the good old way, but they retreat again. Jeremiah six sixteen. If the ways of God were not good, why did they enter into them? If they were good, why did they forsake them? For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to, to turn from the holy commandment. 2 Peter 2.21 Number 3. 
Others slander walking with God, that it is a melancholy walk, and that those who are less zealous are more prosperous. God considers this blasphemy, that evil shall be spoken of the way of truth. 2 Peter 2. In the Greek, it is, it shall be blasphemed. Number four, others deride walking with God as if it were a way of foolish scrupulousness. What would you be of the holy tribe? Would you be wiser than others? There are some people that if it was in their power, they would jeer holiness right out of the world. The chair of the scornful stands at the mouth of hell. Proverbs 19.29 Number 5. Others, instead of walking with God, walk after the flesh. 2 Peter 2.10 Number 1. They walk by fleshly opinions. Number 2. They walk after fleshly lusts. Number 1. They walk by fleshly opinions. So we're going to cover these two. There are six There are six of these opinions, these fleshly opinions. Number one, that it is best to do what most do, to steer according to the course of the world, to be in the world's mode, not to get a new heart, but to get into a new fashion. Number two, that reason is the highest judge and umpire in matter of piety, that we must believe no further than we can see, but for a man to become a fool so that he may be wise, 1 Corinthians 3.18. To be saved purely by the righteousness of another, Philippians 3.9. To keep all by losing all, Matthew 10.39. These things the natural man will by no means put in his creed. Number three, that a little religion will serve as well. The lifeless form of religion may in, may in be kept up in policy, but actual zeal is madness. The world thinks that religion is best, which like gold leaf is spread very thin. Number four, that any way which is, which is must be exposed to affliction is not good. A stick, though it is straight, yet under water, it seems crooked. So piety, if it is under affliction, appears crooked to a carnal eye. Number five, that a man's entire concern should be for the present. As that profane cardinal said, he would leave his part in paradise to keep his cardinalship in Paris. Number six, that sinning is better than suffering. It is greater concern to keep the skin whole than the con conscience pure. These are such rules as the crooked serpent has found out, and whoever walks by them shall not know peace. All right, number two, they walk after to fleshly lusts. For those who are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but those who are after the spirit the things of the spirit. Romans 8, 5. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Romans 8.13 They make provision, turn into caterers for the flesh. Romans 13.14 Such a person was the emperor Heliogobulus. He so indulged the flesh that he never sat except among sweet flowers mixed with amber and musk. He attired himself in purple set with precious stones. Instead of burning oil in his lamp, he used costly balsam brought from Arabia very fragrant. He bathed himself in perfumed water. He put his body to no other use than to be a strainer for fine food and drink to run through. Thus sinners walk after the flesh. If a drunken or unclean lust calls, they gratify it. They brand as cowards all those who dare not sin at the same rate as they do. Instead of walking with God, they walk contrary to him. Lust is the compass they sail by. Satan is their plot is their pilot, and hell is the port they are bound for. Use 2. Let us test whether we have this characteristic of the godly. Do we walk with God? That may be known. 
Number one, by the way in which we walk. It is a private, secluded way, in which only a few holy ones walk. Therefore it is called a pathway, to distinguish it from the common road. In its pathway there is no death. Proverbs 12.28 Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Matthew 7.13-14 Number 2. By walking in the fear of God. Enoch walked with God. Genesis 5.22 The Chaldean version renders it, He walked in the fear of the Lord. The godly are fearful of that which may displease God. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Genesis 39.9 This is not a base, servile fear, but, number one, a fear springing from affection. A child, Hosea 3.5 A child fears to offend his father out of the tender affection he has for him. This made holy Anselm say, if sin were on one side and hell on the other, I would rather leap into hell than willingly offend my God. Number two, a fear joined with faith. By faith, Noah moved with fear. Hebrews eleven seven. Faith and godly fear go hand in hand. When the soul looks at God's holiness, he fears. When he looks at God's promises, he believes. A godly man trembles yet trusts. Fear preserves reverence. Faith preserves cheerfulness. Fear keeps the soul from lightness. Faith keeps it from sadness. By this we may know whether we walk with God. If we walk in the fear of God, then we are fearful of infringing his laws and forfeit, forfeiting his love. It is a brand set upon sinners that there is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3.18 The godly fear and do not offend. Exodus 20.20 20. The wicked do not fear and offend. Jeremiah 5.22-25 Careless and dissolute walking will soon estrange God from us and make him weary of our company. What communion does light have with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6.14 Use 3. Let me persuade all who would be accounted godly to get into Noah's walk. Though the truth of grace is in the heart, the beauty of grace is seen in the walk. Number 1. Walking with God is very pleasing to God. The one who walks with God declares to the world which is the company he loves most. His fellowship is with the Father, 1 John 1.3. He counts those the sweetest hours which are spent with God. This is very pleasing and acceptable to God. Enoch walked with God, Genesis 5.24. And see how kindly God took this at Enoch's hand. He had this testimony that he pleased God, Hebrews 11.5. Number two, walking closely with God will be a good means to entice and allure others to walk with him. The apostle exhorts wives so to walk this way, so that the husbands might be won by their conduct. 1 Peter 3.1 Justin Martyr confessed that he became a Christian by observing the holy and innocent lives of the early saints. Number 3. Walking closely with God would put to silence the adversaries of the truth. 1 Peter 2.15 Careless behavior puts a sword into wicked men's hands to wound piety. What a sad thing it is when it is said of professing Christians that they are as proud, as covetous, and as unjust as others. Will this not expose the ways of God to contempt? But holy and close walking would stop the mouths of sinners, so that they would not be able to speak against God's people without making themselves liars. Satan came to Christ and found nothing in him. John 14.30 What a confound confounding thing it will be to the wicked when holiness is the only thing they have to fasten 
on the godly as a crime. We will never find any basis against this Daniel unless it, unless it we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Daniel 6.5 Number 4. Walking with God is a pleasant walk. The ways of wisdom are called pleasantness. Proverbs 3.17 Is the light not pleasant? They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Psalm 89.15 Walking with God is like walking among beds of spice, which send forth a fragrant perfume. This is what brings peace. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Acts 9.31 While we walk with God, what sweet music the bird of conscience makes in our breast. They shall sing in the ways of the Lord. Psalm 138, 5. Number 5. Walking with God is honorable. It is a credit for one of an inferior rank to walk with a king. What greater dignity can be put upon a mortal man than to converse with his maker and to take a walk with God every, and to take a walk with God every day? Number 6. Walking with God leads to rest. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Hebrews 4.9 The philosopher says, Motion leads to rest. Indeed, there is motion which does not lend to, tend to rest. Those who walk with their sins shall never have rest. They do not rest day or night. Revelation 4.8 But those who walk with God shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Luke 13.29 Just as a weary traveler, when he comes home, sits down and rests, to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Revelation 3.21 A throne denotes honor, and sitting denotes rest. Number 7. Walking with God is the safest walking. Walking in the way of sin is like walking on the edge of a river. The sinner treads on the precipice of the bottomless pit, and if death gives him a jog, he tumbles in. But it is safe walking in God's way. Then you shall walk in your way safely. Proverbs 3.23 the one who walks with a guard walks safely. The one who walks with God shall have God's spirit to guard him from sin and God's angels to guard him from danger. Psalm 91.11 Number 8. Walking with God will make death sweet. It was Augustus' wish that he might have a quiet, easy death without much pain. If anything makes our pillow easy at death, it will be this, that we have walked with God in our generation. Do we think walking with God can do us any hurt? Did we ever hear anyone cry out on their deathbed that they had been too holy, that they had prayed too much, or walked with God too much? No. What was cut, what has cut them to the heart has been this, that they have not walked more closely with God. They have wrung their hands and torn their hair to think that they have been so bewitched with the pleasures of the world. Walking closely with God will make our enemy, death, be at peace with us. When King Ahasuerus could not sleep, he called for the book of records and read it, Esther 6.1. So when the violence of sickness causes sleep to, to depart from our eyes, and we call for our conscience, that book of records, and find written in it that on, that on such a day we humbled our souls by fasting, on such a day our hearts melted in prayer, on such a day we had sweet communion with God, what a reviving this will be. How we may look death in the face with comfort and say, Lord, now take us up to you in heaven, where we have been so often by affliction. Let us now be by fruition. Number nine, walking with God is the best way to know the mind of God. Friends who walk together impart their secrets one to another. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. Noah walked with God and the Lord revealed a great secret to him, destroying the old world and saving him in the ark. Genesis six seventeen and 18. 
Abraham walked with God, and God made him one of his privy council. Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Genesis 18.17 God sometimes sweetly discloses himself to the soul in prayer, and in the Holy Supper, as Christ made himself known to the disciples in the breaking of bread. Luke 24.35 Number 10. Those who walk with God will not be wholly left by God. The Lord may withdraw for a time to make his people cry for him more, but he will not leave them altogether. I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you. Isaiah 54, 8. God will not cast off any of his old acquaintances. He will not part with one who has kept him company. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 5, 24. He took him up to heaven. As the Arabic renders it, Enoch was lodged in the bosom of divine love. Question. What may we do to walk with God? Answer 1. Get out of the old road of sin. The one who would walk in pleasant meadow must turn off the road. The way of sin is full of travelers. There are so many traveling on this road that hell, though it, was, it has a great circumference, would gladly enlarge itself to make room for them. Isaiah 5.14 This way of sin seems pleasant, but the end is damnable. I have, says the harlot, perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Proverbs 7.17 See how, with one sweet, the cinnamon, there were two bitters, myrrh and aloes. For that little sweetness in sin at present, there will be a far greater proportion of bitterness afterwards. Therefore get out of these briars. You cannot walk with God in sin. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Second Corinthians 6.14 Answer 2. Get acquainted with him. Now acquaint yourselves with him. Job 22.21 Know God in his attributes and promises. Strangers do not walk together. Answer 3. Get all differences removed. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Amos 3.3 this agreement and reconciliation is made by faith, whom God set forth as a propitiation through faith in his blood. Romans 3.25 Once we are friends, we shall be called up to the mount as Moses was, and have this dignity conferred on us, to be the favorites of heaven, and to forever walk with God. Answer 4. Get a liking for the ways of God. They are adorned with beauty. Proverbs 4.18 They are sweetened with pleasure. Proverbs 3.17 they are fenced with truth, Revelation 15.3. They are accompanied with life, Acts 2.28. They are lengthened with eternity, Habakkuk 3.6. Be enamored with the way of piety, and you will soon walk in it. Answer 5. Take hold of his arm. Those who walk in their own strength will soon grow weary and tire. I will go in the strength of the Lord God, Psalm 71.16. We cannot walk with God without God. Let us press him with his promise. I will cause you to walk in my statutes, Ezekiel 36:27. If God takes us by the hand, then we shall walk and not faint, Isaiah 40:31. All right, well, that was our reading for the day. Uh, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope this time in Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture has been edifying for you. Um, I hope you have a wonderful evening, and God willing, I will see you in the morning. Uh, let's go ahead and close out with prayer. As we usually do, we are going to close out with the fourth day evening prayer called God All-Sufficient. Let's pray. King of glory, divine majesty, every perfection adorns thy nature and sustains thy throne. The heavens and earth are thine. The world is thine in its fullness. Thy power created the universe from nothing. Thy wisdom has managed all its multiple concerns, presiding over nations, families, individuals. 
Thy goodness is boundless. All creatures wait on thee, are supplied by thee, are satisfied in thee. How precious are the thoughts of thy mercy and grace! How excellent thy loving kindness that draws men to thee! Teach us to place our happiness in thee, the blessed God, never seeking life among the dead things of earth, or asking for that which satisfies the deluded. But may we prize the light of thy smile, implore the joy of thy salvation, find our heaven in thee. Thou hast attended to our happiness more than we can do. Though we are fallen creatures, thou hast not neglected us. In love and pity thou hast provided us a Savior. Apply his redemption to our hearts by justifying our persons and sanctifying our natures. We confess our transgressions, have mercy on us. We are weary, give us rest. Ignorant, make us wise unto salvation. Helpless, let thy strength be made perfect in our weakness. Poor and needy, bless us with Christ's unsearchable riches. Perplexed and tempted, let us travel on, unchecked, undismayed, knowing that thou hast said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Blessed be thy name. Amen. All right, well again, hope you have a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless. Thank you.